You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. People, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, 8 o'clock. And we do film it live just in case you're listening to the podcast. It is live every Tuesday, 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. So if you do like what you hear and you think, I want to be there live, I want to ask the guests live questions and make them squirm a little bit, and um, then you're welcome to do that. Just head along to um, the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel, 8 o'clock. Um, I'm just smiling. You might notice if you listen to my voice. I just love the comments. People are already in the lounge waiting for us. And um, Nikki Mansfield is here and she's just said, evening all, I'm ready for some foot loving. Um, I love you, Nikki, so much. There we are. Um, you're going to therapy expo, are you, Nikki? I think so. I'm so, I so hope you are. Um, I see what you did there, Becky. Anyway, so yeah, the people are joining our lounge and it's a great place to come. I can't help but recommend if you are a soft tissue therapist, you don't have to be a member of the STA. Um, just come along and you'll be mixing with other soft tissue therapists um, it's a lovely way to maybe hear what the STA is about. In case you are looking for a professional association you can trust, then um, come along. Uh, regional reps normally drop in if you've got any questions. Sometimes we have the uh, presence of the founder of the um, Sports Therapy Association, Gary Benson. He's in the house sometimes. It's a great chance to catch Gary. Um, yeah, and you get a chance. Anything you do say, then I can put it up on the screen and you can see maybe your logo. It's pretty good networking, to tell you the truth, if you want to just get your name and that out there and meet some people. We changed the word network, haven't we now? I think Anna Maria Mazzieri changed the word networking to supporting. It's just a bit of a nicer two-way thing, isn't it? Let's go somewhere to support each other rather than just networking. So anyway, who else is in the house? Let's have a little hi to people. Um, Glenn Murphy's here. Shuffle tap hop, folks. No idea what he's talking about. Uh, hey, Glenn. Nice to see you. Um, Becky Carroll's here. Happy Tuesday all. Oh, no. Happy Toes Day all. Right, so the puns have started already. Thank you, Becky. Alistair Cunningham's here. Good evening, you lovely lot. Are you getting the vibe? Can you feel the love here? It's so nice to see. It makes me so happy. Sarah Jones is here. Evening with a little wave of the hand. And people are coming in. So, yeah, it's a great shout. I would come along if you do. Eight o'clock. Um, I don't think there's anything better on, on Netflix or anything at the moment. But you can watch anyone anyway. So you've got no excuses. Right. So thanks, people, for joining us live. Always appreciated. Um, we are at episode 122. It's 122 weeks of CPD. If you're looking for help or CPD, which is free, then here we are. There's 121 hours waiting for you on any popular podcast app or on the YouTube channel if you want to watch the video. Or you can go to the website, thesta.co.uk, and you can see all the show notes and everything there for 121 fantastic guests who are spreading the word. Um, last week, and we had the pleasure of talking to um, one of the speakers who will be joining us in the STA Theatre at uh, Therapy Expo this year. Um, and that was Sonia Fierro, which was a lovely episode, especially if you're a little bit broody. If, for example, I know you're a dad of a seven and four year or five year old and thinking, oh, I'd love another little one which doesn't run around or call me names. Then it's a great episode to watch because Sonia joined us with her recently born baby. Um, six months old, I think now, because obviously, as she said, organize a podcast hope the baby goes to sleep no of course she doesn't go to sleep she's up in her arms so it's a great episode and it's all about that basically it's all about how Sonia um trained with regards to crossfit and uh, lifting of weights pre-pregnancy and post-pregnancy um and it's a real eye-opener there's a massive disclaimer on it that what she did isn't what everybody can do because Sonia's got a wealth of experience of both exercising herself she's got national records of deadlifting and all sorts of things and powerlifting and also worked with a lot of GB teams. But the stuff she says is really interesting in in just all going down the line of listen to your body, work with a professional, but you might be surprised that you don't necessarily have to go by what the standard black and white recommendations are, especially when they're things like don't do any body weight exercises until six weeks in. Um, you've got our Sonia there doing lunges with baby in a hammock and a dumbbell in a hand at kind of like week one or something. So, um, yeah, worth checking out. Really good episode. And I'm really excited to say it's what we're doing now until Therapy Expo is um, our speakers on the show now will be live at the STA Theatre at Therapy Expo on Wednesday, 23rd and 24th of November. Sonia is going to be with us on the Wednesday at 9.15. She's joining the Women in Sports Therapy um, Roundtable discussion, which is going to be amazing. So you can, if you like what you hear from Sonia, then, then come along to Therapy Expo if you're near Birmingham in November um, and you can see it in the flesh. Talking of in the flesh, we've got um, another speaker who's going to be joining us tonight. 
um, who's going to be at Therapy Expo as well. Um, it's Liz Bailey, who um, is waiting patiently down in um, the lobby below. Um, people who are regular listeners of the podcast will know Liz because tonight is actually um, a record-breaking fourth appearance. I don't think anyone else has done it. It's incredible. There must be a reason for that. She's always available. She's, she's, she's always says yes. I don't know what it is. Um, but no, she's heavily in demand. And we're going to talk about her rise to extreme um, success in terms of being called to do things um, shortly. Um, as always, if you've got any questions for Liz, I'm um, going to be talking about the dancer's foot. Um, then uh, fire away. I've given Liz permission. If she sees something interesting going on in the chat, the question fired away, then she can just cut in and say, oh, Becky's got a good question or Sarah's got a good question. So really do use this opportunity to challenge Liz, ask her questions, um, ask her about, I don't know, bed knee calf raises or something, anything which comes into your mind. And um, I'm sure she'll be happy to answer. So I shall now bring up the one and only Liz Bay with a Y, Bailey. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hello, Liz Bailey. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much. Us. I wasn't sure if you would say Liz Bailey with a Y, but you did. Bailey with a Y, so, it still happens. People should know happens. if you, yeah, it still happens. If you do yeah, when I, communicate when I with Liz. I searched myself on um, YouTube, Liz Bailey is spelt wrong. People keep searching for me with an I, not a Y. <laughs> You know what? I know at this stage in your illustrious career, it's probably a nice thing because it halves your traffic down. But once upon a time, it must have been quite infuriating because people are trying to find you and doing a BAI. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think you could do with halving your demand, couldn't you? You're busy, busy person. Yeah, I'm. I'm so busy that I kind of don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I my I have two jobs now that I basically do full time between the two of them. And then I see loads of patients privately, either at my house or at their houses or um, online. Um, and people keep asking me to do talks and presentations and then oh, screen a load of dances. And I just I'm like, OK, I can do that on my day off and I can do that on my day off. So I don't have days off anymore. I just fill them up with work. <laughs> so I'm going to be burnt out in about another 18 months, I think. Six months, maybe. Yeah, so that's me feeling pretty guilty and put in my place. People keep asking you to. I know, but thanks for saying yes. We'll try and make it quick. I promise you, you'll be out by nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> no, I thought it'd be nice to do a fourth one, like you said. Yeah, no, it's great. I appreciate it. And you're a mum as well, of course. You know, it's not like you're just going out and not got any other commitments. I love following you on Rivera's social media because, yeah, it shows you're a person. And how old is yours now? My little boy is four. There you go. So, yeah, he's out of the difficult you know that crazy baby stage but it's still a lot of work you don't get much time to yourself let's i mean there's there's three other podcasts for people to listen to if you want to see details of liz's journey to where she is today but just briefly i mean the one thing i must put in here because i think it's really good what you did you're sharing your knowledge and your uh, everything you put up a wonderful thing on twitter here you can't see this if you listen to the podcast but you did a tweet the other day which um, said 19 links to various blogs talks podcasts and articles i've written recorded over the past few years finally managed to get them all in one place so if you go to um at liz bailey physio and please please spell it l-i-z-b-a-y-l-e-y physio then um, you'll see a pinned tweet, which I think is really considerate, where people can have um, a link to all of the great information you've put out there. Um, 19 of them, um, which is great because it's tricky, isn't it? We produce so much stuff these days and then it tends to get lost. So good on you, Liz. Well done on doing that. Um, it's more than that now. So actually that link was from July. It's 32 links now. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I, I counted it the other day and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's a link-free thing so it just everything it's easier for me to find it as well but um there's a few extra podcasts a few extra things i wrote something for the um the british medical journal on Uh uh, cardio training for dancers and i did something for csp about dance and then um a couple of other podcasts something that was international i did a podcast in america oh wow congratulations so they're all on there it's more than 19 it's 32 now i think if i there you go did it last time amazing are they all for people who work with dancers or would you say it stretches Um, further than that no it's for anyone who works with um sports people Mm -hmm. definitely there's loads of crossover loads of crossover like i did a blog for um physio network about plyometric training for jumping athletes but Mm -hmm. that would be basketball players it would be you know netballers it would be hurdlers it would be 
any kind of sport, where which is why I called it for jumping athletes, not for dancers. So I, there's a case study that I, at the end that I use as a dancer, but everything else can be completely applied to to any kind of sports. And um, my talk for Therapy Live that I did was about return. It was safe return to dance, but actually, apart from the finite details at the end to, to, and in between a few places for dancers, everything else was for sports people. You know, because dancers are athletes, so you treat them the same as you do any kind of athletes. There's there's the obvious really specific stuff in certain places which is really important to get right with dancers but a lot of it is a huge crossover fantastic that's useful for people to know because you get generate a name for yourself it's oh liz bailey oh yeah yeah ex-professional dancer and she's working on lion king and stuff and yeah i don't work with dancers so i'm not gonna bother looking at stuff but like you say there is a massive crossover when you think about it and break it down there's a lot of movements that are the same and they're people the people are really passionate about doing a sport which is like probably the most important thing to ask people about so wicked give people a little let people know what you're doing at the moment in terms of working with dancers for people who don't know where are you working at the moment so for a Coming on about 18 months now, I've been mm-hmm. the, the head physio on The Lion King, which is in London, Covent Garden. So I work with a company called West End Osteopathy, and um, that's owned by a guy called Fabi. He sort of services all the different theatres in London, but he wanted a, a, to have a physio full time on The Lion King. So I actually share the job now with somebody else because I didn't want to do just that full time. I wanted to kind of be able to do some other things and full-time in a theatre as a physio is is quite a hard slog it's a lot of hours and it's very um it's a really hard one so it's nice to share the job with somebody but I'm the head physio for the Lion King now so I'm there for three days a week and um I'm at Trinity Laban which is a music and dance conservatoire in Greenwich uh Greenwich and Deptford so it's it's a it's a merging of Trinity Music College and Laban Dance College that was back in 2005 I think so it's now known as Trinity Laban, but it's um, they train um, adults um, for degrees, uh, masters, bachelors, uh, masters of fine arts, that kind of thing, um, and they they are sort of world leaders in dance science. So we have fantastic facilities. They've got a dance science lab, which my my physio room is next door to. We've got a fantastic conditioning studio. There's um, strength and conditioning coaches that work there, and sports physiologists and all kinds of people that I sort of brush shoulders with all the time. And I, I'm one of the physios, there's three of us. Um, and I, so I look after the students that are there and also anyone that lives in the local vicinity or anyone who wants to come there. It's, it's just a working, you know, injury clinic. So anyone can come and see me there. So if ever you do want to come and see me, that's a good place to, to book in with me at Trinity Laban. Um, so if you go on, um, on Google and just put in Trinity Laban Health, that's the clinic part. Um, and you can book online to come and see me and, and lots of locals come and see me but um, lots of performers obviously because it's known for performance physio um, and then on top of that like I said I just do I see patients at my house I see patients at their houses um, I do lots of online consultations quite a lot of teaching more and more podcasts and presentations how do you fit this all in I don't are you thinking I, now I've got to well. one's got to go are you thinking I've got to take something out of the equation is that where you are yeah. My husband said that to me. Your husband? I thought you were going to say my husband. Um, No, he's really supportive. It's the only way that I can do it. But it's more that I realised I had, I mean, on all my days off recently, I have been working towards this new foot and ankle course that I've just done over the weekend. And that took between four to six months. So any spare time I had, I was doing that. So I kind of hadn't had a day off for like six months. Like literally it's, kind of mad and it's probably not sustainable but it's it's hard when the ball gets rolling and especially when it's something that you love so much I love dance I love physio you know and I talk about it and think about it all the time so to have that as your job is a is a real dream isn't it but I've got to be careful not to <laughs> overdo it I think. yeah no, definitely and it's good that you recognize that um and there's loads more isn't there I mean ex-professional dancer Moulin Rouge and you were a sports therapist originally which is really interesting as well for people listening to this in which case, I think I've got written down here, you're working as a sports therapist in the West End on lots of shows, which people will know, like Wicked, Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Shrek, Matilda, Jersey Boys. Um, what made you go from sports therapist to physiotherapist and how much did it change your ability to work with dancers? Well, so I did a sports therapy diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me about a year or so. And um, uh, so and it got me straight into where I wanted to be. I was 
perfect. You know, I went straight into the West End and I worked with all the principals of the West End. I would see them twice weekly for like full body massages and things. But I did find that I was using the hands on stuff more than anything else that I had been taught. So if, I always kind of saw myself more as a sports massage therapist than a true sports. I think what, you know, the skills that sports therapists have, um, I don't think that was really being used. I was really being used as a sports massage therapist, which was fine. But as anyone who does it, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will know, it's really exhausting. You know, I would do, say, three people in a row and then have a break and then do another three. Six hours of full body massage, which is, you know, expected to be at a really decent caliber. You couldn't just sort of half heart it. And I never would anyway. But I would be really tired by that, by the end of all of that. And I thought, oh, this is this is physically tricky. And I'd gotten out of dancing because it was so physical. But actually, sports massage therapy is incredibly physical. Um but also on that, I kind of would start to get intrigued by the injuries I'd see. And obviously, I wasn't qualified to diagnose things. And I would have to hand over to physios in the company that I worked with for more complex management and for treatment plans. And I just thought, I want to do that because I thought that I could. And I, it just wasn't just that part of it wasn't quite enough. I just wanted the extra qualification. I wanted the training. I wanted to be able to confident, confidently say what something was rather than say, well, I, it's, I think it's telephone pain or I think it's plantar fasciitis but I don't I was never trained to do that but you know you get familiar with things so I just wanted more training so that I would be more confident when I treated injuries and also the HCPC registra- registration because actually both jobs I've got now I couldn't have as a sports therapist you have mm. to be HCPC registered even if you've done a degree in sports therapy yeah, but you're still on HCPC registered. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a big problem point, it's isn't a big it? Problem. Yeah, is still and, in the industry, it's there. Yeah, so I needed that for Lion King, and I needed it for Trinity Laban, mm. and I need it for other jobs that I do. You know, when I screen at colleges and things like that. So that was why. But how much of the physiotherapy? Because obviously, when you're doing physiotherapy, there's a lot of stuff. I imagine you had to learn and and ward you had to work on, which now you're not using at all. Uh, physio. Oh God, yeah. Absolutely. All the respiratory stuff, um, all the really acute medical stuff, all the stuff with elderly people. You know, I I mean, I I could easily diagnose someone with NEOA, but I don't don't tend to see those patients. Um, But the thing is, is what it does, though, is it makes you a much more rounded practitioner. So I've got that medical background now. So I understand about multi-systems analysis and comorbidities. um, And that makes me just yeah I'm, I'm able to take that forward even with people in sports because you still need those things when you're diagnosing like with things like um more systemic issues like when you've got um bone stresses or those kinds of things like you kind of you need all that extra information and understanding of the medical part of it a little bit more I think so it, it makes you a more rounded practitioner for sure I I did it all as a student but I never did it as a qualified physio I went straight into sports yeah, yeah. MSK straight into MSK then you're a natural student, aren't you? You love studying. I mean, on top of all of this, you've got a degree in psychology as well, haven't you? Yeah, that was my first <laughs> degree. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the answer to the question. Give me more books. I Give need more books. books. I won't ever do another degree, but I was, I was thinking about doing the dance science module at Queen Mary. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't need it. Like, I'm of course you were. You've got a lunchtime on Tuesdays. You could put yeah, a could little something in there. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to kind of just do that one module, just to sort of have it. It would be sort of a, you know, be a name under my belt kind of thing. Mm. I, I hope I would know a lot of the stuff and it wouldn't be brand new to me because if it was, I think I'm probably in the wrong industry. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I'd quite happily do a, another module here or there potentially. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's really cool because you're one of these people who shows that if you're passionate about something and you want it and you want to work in the big shows and you just set your sights really high, you can achieve. I mean, it sounds a bit like a cliche, but you can really achieve anything. I mean, you're at a height now and a level where you've got there because of working and making choices and sacrifices. So it's you're quite inspirational, I think, for anybody out there who is starting as a sports massage therapist and starting to think, oh, I want something a bit different than this. I want to work more with this. I want to be able to diagnose. I want to... Not everyone needs that. And if people don't want that, then it's the wrong route to go down. But it just shows that if you do want to reach the dizzy heights of the Lion King and uh, the Lyceum and was it three nights a week uh, yeah I do it three three nights a week now I used to do it four or five but yeah I yeah and, and it's I... attainable 
It's attainable. Very exciting. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned also um, you're, you've been away, haven't you, this weekend? Was that the first time? Was that the opening of your new course, which seems to be causing wonderful ripples on Twitter? Yes. So I was going to say, like, you don't really need to study a, a master's degree to learn. All you have to do is say that you'll teach a course in four to six months. And then the amount of learning I had to do for that, I may as well have done a master's module. It's been... <sighs> insane you know I it's all self-directed so you have to be really good at knowing how to look up papers how to analyze them how to put cases together um so it's it's incredibly challenging but I use my contacts constantly like I said on Twitter recently I must have messaged between 10 and 15 people all of them very very well well known on Twitter experts in their field just to ask for help on various different bits and pieces and they all helped me out with things which made my learning easier like they saved me days of reading because they just answered a quick question for example so networking and using those contacts is so useful um but yeah so we did me and lizzie lizzie marlowe i'm gonna bring up some pictures but you can keep talking i'm just gonna put it out for people who join us live this is one of the advantages people have actually come to youtube to watch it live or watch the video afterwards because you'll be able to see screenshots of what um this is talking about now but yeah carry on this i'm just gonna put some images up as you're talking yeah, so Lizzie Marlow is um, she's an um, extended scope practitioner in the NHS and also does other various um, jobs and things. But she's a very, very experienced, um, brilliant clinician. Um, and she has done lots of teaching in the past. And then I had put out some things on Twitter and then we kind of got in touch and said, because she does lots of she's a lower limb physio first and foremost. I think she has spinal as well, but more lower limb is her interest. And she wanted to do a foot and ankle course. And um, then she kind of got in touch with me via a, a colleague that we both knew and just said, would you be interested in teaching with me? Because I think she had taught by herself once. And it's it's quite a big, big job to teach a whole two day course all by yourself. And I think she liked the idea of bringing me in because I had experience that was very different from hers. So she's... Um, being an ESP, she's kind of second opinions, very diagnostic and less about the rehab. Whereas I see acute sports injuries, it's all about the rehab for me, obviously diagnostic as well, but in a different way. She's very NHS, I'm very private. So we kind of complement each other and we cover all areas of, of physio between us. So it was a March that we first met to talk about it. So this is when I say I haven't had a day off since March, because ever since that meeting, any spare time I've had has been working on the course. And um it's just been a real labour of love. Like it's, it was incredibly busy. It's, it was very, very full as well. I think everyone that went on the course said how fast paced it was and how much information there was. We could easily have done it over two days, but we did it in one, um, which is means you skim over some things and some things are a little bit more sped up, but it, you certainly get a lot into it. And I, th- I think the people left thinking, wow, there's a lot about the first and ankle that we didn't know or hadn't even considered. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the first job that we did. And funnily enough, we were waiting we kept saying, well, when are we going to do our first one? And we wouldn't commit. And then someone approached me because of my work on Twitter and said that my name had come up when they were talking about foot and ankle training. Cause I talk about the foot and ankle a lot. And would I want to do a course for them? So I said to Lizzie, right, we've got a date. Let's put the date and the date work towards it. So, and we were saying on the train on the way up, we could have taken another five months to get that course together. You know how it's, you can always do it better. There's always more you can read. There's always, and we said, we're so lucky. We're so glad we put that date in the diary and said, right, let's do it on the 15th of October because we'd have still been writing and faffing around for three months, three, four, six months. It, it was ridiculous. So it made us get it done. Um, so it was a bit of an experiment. Like I always knew it would be good. We both, we're both quite studious, dedicated, hardworking. So we, there was no way it wasn't going to work or sort of, that we wouldn't manage to pull it off but we I wasn't sure how it was going to go as far as the flow was and how we were teaching together we'd never talked together we just talked about it but I have to say I think we are the best duo it's it just was brilliant we we teach in a very complimentary style we both have a very similar sense of humor which is amazing we're both left-handed we found out we're both called Liz so it's perfect. <laughs> I so, love this uh, image you put up here. Oh no, actually it was um the other Liz, Lizzie Marlowe put it out, wasn't it? It was a lovely um uh it's uh, again if you listen to the podcast you can't see it, but it was a tweet I think that Lizzie Marlowe put out originally, some lovely artwork with one day, two Lizzies, lots of feet and endless fun, and pictures of both of them and two curtains. It's marvellous, really nice. Um and I think it encapsulates what as far as the feedback I've had from people going on the course is yes, it's a course, it's it's learning stuff, but it's just load of fun and learn through play through practice to actually doing things 
Um, and it looks like from all the photos that I've seen, you, you had great fun. Yeah, it was it was really, really fun. And I think something that I brought to it, I, su I suppose, is my <laughs> because I used to be a performer, is that I do want to get really excitable about things. I know you say this about me as well, but that was some of the feedback was that they were like, it was so much fun. It was so, ex you were so excited. And I was like, yeah, I was. Like, I just, I can't help it. But um, like, I get really physical and demonstrate, like if I'm talking about what a dancer does, I'll just do it. I'll leap across the room to demonstrate the purposes. Literally. I think, mm. I think some people quite like that energy, probably annoys some people as well, in fairness, I don't know. But it came across well. And um, we, Particularly, there's a bit that I teach about intrinsic foot muscle exercises. And that is something that, to my knowledge, Lizzie didn't cover when she taught this course by herself. I don't think she can correct me if I'm wrong about that. Or if she did, it was much smaller section than what I did. Um, but that bit, people seem to love. Um, so whenever I talk about foot intrinsics, people are like, oh, I haven't really ever even considered, you, you know, exercising the foot. Some people sort of know about like foot doming or it's called short foot or maybe like the first metatarsal flexion exercise, something, mm -hmm. but not much. And often not just how much it can be used in different pathologies and different clinical conditions. So I've obviously to try and promote how much I use it, I've done a lot of reading around it to sort of demonstrate just how many different conditions it can, can really help. And I've told Lizzie about it. She's now started using it with her patients. And she's like, God, I can't believe I didn't used to do that, you know. And that would be with patients with like posterior tibialis tendon dysfunction. If anyone knows what that is, PTTD. That's one that she sees a lot of and she'd never considered foot strength in it. And now she does it with every single patient that has it because it, it's really complementary. Um, or plantar fasciitis, that's another one, plantar heel pain, whatever you want to call it. Um, and for dancers, it's one of the things they've been doing for years in dance because we've always known how important foot strength is in dance. But that's where my dance knowledge, I think, translates nicely to other sports Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't normally think of foot strength for a runner but actually for a sprinter if you can get their first ray their first toe flexion strength and power stronger it, it enhances their push off it enhances their lower limb rebounds and all that stuff so it, it really crosses over and I think for the right patients it can be really really useful and that's something that I, I notice people kind of going god I'd never thought about the foot intrinsics but they seem to love it and when I do the practical which is getting them to do all the footwork it's hilarious like they were falling off their chairs trying to contort their feet um and there was a really lovely atmosphere it kind of felt like it was um something a bit fresh that they hadn't really thought about so that was that was nice very satisfying I was going to say and you've answered it actually like did you discover from putting the course on that there is a bit of a void in the information that you did have stuff which people didn't know about or hadn't entertained the idea of and from what you said it was there was a few surprises there even between each other you know which is so exciting to hear as well yeah well Liz Lizzie's taught me loads of stuff and I've taught her stuff it's mm. been really that she taught me a new way to do just an anterior draw test Mm -hmm. But it's changed my life. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Because I do so many. I see so many acute ankle strains, you know, yeah. and I'd always done it and it was fine. But the way she taught me is so much quicker and easier and more sensitive that I now I'm like an ankle sprain comes in and I'm like, right, brilliant. Let's get this uh, anterior jaw test. It's just it's a different way of holding the ankle. You sit them off the couch rather than with their feet on the couch. So their feet naturally fall into a bit of plantar flexion. Okay. And then you just kind of very gently hold the back of the ankle and it's a really gentle move. Whereas I used to use quite a lot of force. I don't think my technique was ever particularly good in it, if I'm honest. I could definitely tell if, a, if someone had a strained ATFL. But uh -huh. now I can tell much more easily. I can grade it better and the, the test is quicker and easier. And Lizzie taught me that. So, you, you know, and I talk about intrinsics and lots of different things to do with dance. And she's, I mean, she's a wealth of knowledge. She's an ESP that, you know, has worked for many, many years and knows... Mm a lot she's very clever too <laughs> so she's a good person to work with sounds amazing and that takes us over to a questions that are coming in now so Catherine Reimer has um I'll bring this on the screen which is what we can do if you join us live Catherine Reimer hey Catherine how are you doing she said I saw this post the other day Airedale isn't far from me who is the course aimed at yeah so that course was we were, we were asked to do it by Airedale they were the people that approached me so it was like the head of the MSK department they were looking at CPD and then that I think they were talking about it because there's not that many foot and ankle courses out there. Mm -hmm. And at the time I didn't have a course, but I do talk about foot and ankle a lot. And someone had said, well, if you ask Liz, she might be able to put something together for you, which is exactly what happened. So we literally put the course together for Airedale, but now mm -hmm. it's ready to go. So we will 
be aiming it at various so we've already we've had lots of people offer to host it there's a mm. like there's a clinic in Essex that want to host it there's a clinic on the south coast that wants to host it there's a hospital in London that Lizzie works for that we can host it there so it would be aimed at whoever literally whoever wants to learn more about foot and ankle so the level we went in at was very much aimed at physios I have to say I think if you if you'd done only a diploma in sports therapy, I think you might find it a bit challenging just because of a lot of the terminology we use and um, the tests that we assume you know, those kinds of things. Um, but that's something that we can tweak. So like if we were to do it for, say, um, sports therapists, we might tweak it a little bit and make it, for example, we wouldn't include as much stuff about, um, I'm just trying to think now. I don't know if we would take things out, but we might just slightly change the way we did it because mm-hmm. we're not really that people know certain tests but even then like you know there were in the course there were really experienced msk physios that said you've taught me loads these mm-hmm. are bands sevens and eights so it, it what was lovely was we were like oh god you assume that people know these things but actually when you do it all the time because more than 50 percent of my caseload is foot and ankle i've been working out at least 50 percent, if not a bit more so i see mm-hmm. the stuff all the time and i've read up on it because of that you know i literally kept seeing feet and i was thinking oh jesus what is it? I don't, you know, I didn't know anything about the forefoot and I wasn't great with midfoot at all. I knew about ankle sprains, but I think that's what most physios and I'm going to just say most people that work with athletes do know about the basics, but what we do is go into much more detail about what the differentials can be, particularly for lateral ankle sprains. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about rehab, lots of tendinopathy, tendinopathy stuff. So it can be at the moment, the course will change depending on who we're delivering it to. So, um, we haven't got any more booked in yet, but we've got lots of people that sort of want us to. So if it was like if it was a private clinic as opposed to an NHS clinic, we might slightly tweak a few different things as well. Um, but people keep asking me now about the dates. So I'm just sort of saying, well, nothing's booked, but we just need to get some some things in. But if you're interested in it, or especially if you know people that might be interested in it, can you let us know? And we'll try and put a date together somewhere that's local enough for people that we can... However many, I'm not sure even about numbers, how many we need to run it. It's that new. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but we can tweak it depending on who the attendees are. So to watch this space, it's a, I mean, for many, many reasons, you should be following Liz already on Twitter. So Liz Bailey, B-A-Y, Lee, um, Physio on Twitter. And then, yeah, watch that space for information. And please, please, um, a message going out to sports therapists out there who realise that a lot of your patients who have been to see physios have been let down because all they've been given is a photocopy from 1980 with stretches on it. And you know a lot more. Go and show Liz that actually some sports therapists know more than the physios. And that's why we get customers, because we can give them an hour of help with far more empathy. We've got more hands-on ability to listen. We're better at using these. Rather than 20 minutes in an office where it's like, oh, to have this bit of paper, do some strength. You can't go wrong getting stronger by. So go and show Liz what you've got, people, because I think there's a little bit of a challenge there from what she said. Um, go and show her that you've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> go and show her you've been doing musical toes and things and getting and testing the big toe for the amount of wind last mechanism and all that sort of stuff. Go and show them that you know about it. And that, that eight band MSK physio who's been looking after old ladies who have never run in their lives doesn't know about it. Bit of a challenge there, people sign up anyway back to the show um i had to stand up there for sports therapists there because you kind of just brushed them all away saying well i think the level is physios to tell you the truth um but that's fine did i say that i didn't yeah we'll play it back it's okay i didn't mean that you know what i mean <laughs> i know what you mean i know what you mean i'm just saying like, i did a diploma in sports therapy not the degree so i i don't yeah. know Language. And you did a pretty shitty diploma because I did the same one. So the same one, I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, we certainly didn't do anything. No, 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 it was awful. Test, you know, we did just sort of some active and passive movements. Oh, so it was, it was, it was awful. I know. Not but this is going back to like what 2000 and when did you Nine. do that one? 2009. A lot has changed in 13 years now. There are still, I mean, that diploma is still going out there, as far as I know. But yeah, there's a lot better information out there now and you've got stuff being taught to sports therapists not even even at diploma level um with the whole all the other mechanisms and now the biopsychosocial has got in there and it's still true if your sports therapist has done a degree you're allowed to diagnose and it's true that as a um if you're not a graduate you're not supposed to use that word but um yeah things are getting pretty cool i think you might be surprised now but it's interesting if you do do a course maybe to set some reading or something say look so you don't turn up and feel like this is too high a level just give some ideas of what people need to know some read abouts or something 
because um, these people see sports people all the time, every day, in and out, in and out. They're not seeing any other cases. They're just seeing athletes, athletes, athletes. So it'd be interesting to see. I think your course would have loads for these people to lap up, especially the crew of joiners live, the Beckys and the Catherines. would be amazing. It'd be really good. When do you think it's going to start then? Did you say March, did you, or something? Is that literally yeah. where you, really nothing till then? Yeah. I, yeah, because it's nothing really happens over Christmas, of course. Yeah, that's true. We haven't got anything booked in now, so it's just not going to happen. But um, yeah, as of next year, we're going to aim to teach it at least oh. at least four times next Very year. Very exciting. We'll see. Um, Nikki Mansfield says, I love the energy with which Liz talks about feet. So enthusiastic. I identify. Definitely. Yay. That's great. <laughs> I know there's nothing wrong with a bit of excitability. I'm always described as excited and enthusiastic. I can't help it. I love, I just love, I love physio and I love, I love sports therapy when I did it. You know, I just love working with the body and I love um, MSK. Get really passionate about it. Let's have a little look. No, not that yet. I'm going to that. Let's. Uh, I'm interested about the course. So you've already mentioned a little bit like um, the um, intrinsic muscles, doing exercises. I love the way you talk about doing something that's fun, getting people to experiment with their feet, and like always makes me think of like musical toes, seeing if they can do a little pattern or Beethoven something like just playing around with all those little games to to make them start using that. What are you mentioned? That was quite surprising for some of the people on your course. What are some other ones where you've kind of you feel like you've dropped something where the room's gone? Oh, I like that. Oh gosh, I don't oh, no. know. <laughs> um, I think I'm trying to think now. Uh, well, this goes into the conversation. Oh, go for today. it! Yeah, bring it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anyone if anyone's not on twitter they won't know what we're talking about but That's fine, um, i think it's good it's educating the, yeah the other thing that actually was really useful and lots of people were like oh you know i hadn't really thought of that or it kind of you know you're talking to people that and these are msk physios so they do this all the time you know they give car phrases out all the time okay so um one of the sections in my functional so one of the, the part after lunch we basically did functional re, functional assessment and then rehab so it started with feet and intrinsics and then it went up the chain ankle calf and then to like end stage um assessment and rehabilitation it's a full two-hour section that bit that i do by my well lizzie's there but it's, i kind of lead it and um i wanted to come up with a load of things because it's so it's fine to say you can do a you know a calf raise or various different foot and ankle pathologies probably all of them to be fair but especially the more I learn about it is that there's certain things you can tweak about a calf raise which make them better for certain pathologies or certain patients and um I wanted to come up with well not just come up with but just demonstrate all the different types of calf raises that I use because there are loads of different types and um this slide I don't know if people can see it is was one of them now this slide has literally got what one two three, four, five different types of calf raises on it. We talk about 12 different types of calf raises on the course. So everyone was going mad because they were like, there's so much variety, it makes it really complicated. And I was like, God, don't don't come to the course then because we talked about 12 different types of calf, calf exercises. And there's loads more, you know, hundreds of different ways that you can do it, not just calf raises. So we were talking about things like skipping, skelet, uh, stair climbing, um, leg presses and other various bits and pieces that you can do to get the calf engaged. So um, that was something like, for example, one that a few people hadn't considered was using external or internal rotation for calf raises to target certain parts of the uh, either the gastroc. So if you rotate outwards, which is more like what you would associate with dancers, um, that will target the medial gastroc more. And if you rotate inwards, it will target the lateral gastroc. And if you go parallel, it basically gets both. OK. So this was one thing I put up. I think probably some people have seen that before, but quite a few people hadn't. And they've never even considered taking a person out of parallel, you know. So to me and for me, like with dancers who often work in external rotation, getting them to do calf raises in parallel is really useful because that's it changes. It it, it challenges the way that their muscles are used to working. Mm -hmm. So that was a really simple thing. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I'm not the one to come up with it, but it's just one variation that people found interesting and it got people talking about but just like I said there were a lot more exercises than what I put on this slide but as something to put on Twitter because I had so much information I thought I'll put something on Twitter because I've done all this work so I put this slide up and said there you go there's some variations what are your favorite go-to exercises and it kind of four days went by and it got lots of likes and comments that were really popular and then it just died 
And then out of nowhere, <laughs> this kind of world war started where various people got involved because if you look at the top corner, um, it says about the seated car phrase. Now, I, I wrote, and you can see it down there, seated for Soleus. Mm. And as I wrote those words, I thought to myself, this is a, this is a debated area. Recently, people have been talking about how actually seated doesn't necessarily need to be done to target. This, this is the key thing. It's not that it doesn't target Soleus. It's that you don't need to do it to target Soleus because Soleus will work if you do it with a straight knee and a bent knee. So this is the key point. But if you want to target only Soleus, only Soleus, seated is the way to go, right? And the reference that I put on there was like a paper by Seth O'Neill which quotes exactly that. And when I read that that word, I thought, right, I can I can say seated for Soleus because Seth says it three years ago. Mm. So I know that this argument's kind of come around in the last three to four years. So that was kind of when it was changing. But I put it on the slide because I thought I wanted to somehow differentiate why you do a seated car phrase. And we'll just point out that that's you in the picture as well, shall we, Matt? A very sexy, tanned, legged beast in there, yeah. That's doing... Matt's picture that I stole off yeah. the internet. And uh, he... He discovered it and I was like, yes, that is you. So that's Matt in the picture with the seated car face. Um, interestingly as well, someone else challenged me and said, if you I want know. to load up the seated car phrase enough, you're going to need more than a ball. I went into the YouTube videos and just put it, nearly put it all in capital letters. I say, I put it in the videos notes that the ball's just there to show you need resistance, but you should resistance. use resistance. That yeah, causes and I, I just find it so what Twitter's like. patronizing comments you get on Twitter. Yeah. Like, but you know what's interesting? I didn't bother, I didn't bother replying to that woman. I did look it up after you said it to me because I'm as geeky as you. And I was like, who dared to question my exercise? And she quoted that wonderful thing of, did you know that a health individual needs one and a half times their body weight to make it? And I think, have you ever tried sitting someone down on a step and putting one and a half times their body weight yeah. on their knee? Because that's a great example of quoting something they've heard. It takes one and a half times your body weight to fatigue the soleus. Really? Have you seen someone actually, like I'm weighing 100 kilos. Am I about 150 kilos on my leg in a gym? Yeah. To, no, well, of course if not. you've got yeah. a seat of halfway machine, you can. Yeah, know, but I'm still not going to lift 150 kilos. No, probably not. But you know, you know eight I, had, I had a dancer doing this who had Achilles tendinopathy recently. She didn't have a seated car phase machine in her gym, so the mm. most she could carry in her upper body it was probably 25 kilos in mm. a big plate. So we were using 25 kilos. I can't get. I'm like carry 85 kilos across the room, put that on your leg. It's <laughs> you know, not realistic. It's but, not practical. Yeah. But then some people would say, then don't load it in that position with weight. If, mm. if you need it heavy, then go to something where they can support it, put, it, put them in a Smith machine or, or whatever it is. And I actually, I agree with that completely. Mm. But I was trying to, uh, I didn't want to overcomplicate it and I didn't want to give her just one calf exercise. Mm. So I and also she was highly irritable uh, with full body weight in a single leg calf, in single leg calf race. So mm. we ended up doing isometrics with that mm. plate on her leg. This was just very early stages. Very cool. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, key thing is the clinical reasoning behind it i don't just give everyone a seated calf raise with like a six kilo dumbbell on their knee you know mm. i'll change it depending on what the person needs like if they've got a paratendinitis which is different from achilles, achilles tendinopathy so that's inflammation of the paratendon or paratenon as you say paratendon around the achilles tendon mm. then you want to load it heavy but make it isometric mm. because they won't be able to tolerate movement through range if they've got some kind of I'm going to say it sheath irritation it's not really a sheath but we know what I'm talking about mm. um or I'm just trying to think um someone else so if they haven't got a seated calf raise machine you might want to get them doing their body weight with a bent knee then mm. it's better than sitting them down with like a like I said a six or an eight kilo dumbbell on their knee that's just it's not high enough load it's not going to really create the changes you need mm. but if you can reason it and make it target it for the patient you've got and the equipment they've got that my first question to all patients is right do you have access to a gym if they don't you've got to completely rethink it because mm. how are you going to get a decent amount of weight into their repertoire unless you go and buy a bag of cement like i think you, you suggest i did i'll well, tell you the truth if when i get patients like that i'm saying you know what get a month's gym membership out i know you hate the gym i know you worry about going in there but if you want to get this done quicker join a gym for a month you'll have all the weights yeah. you need you can progress it up and down the rack and then leave the gym it's fine but for now you're going to need some weight and some yeah. people go some people it's a bit too much yeah then there's ways to do it if they haven't but I, when i when i ask a dancer if they go to the gym more often than not now they do which is mm. just those a shifting culture with dancers particularly but it's fantastic because you've got everything you need there and you, you need them to have it load it heavy and they can so great mm. 
It's a great discussion. And I'm glad you talked about that because it shows probably the kind of discussions which are going on on a course like yours, which you are kind of like putting out there to people and people can talk to each other and, and challenge things. And that's a great way of learning. So it is an interesting debate. It was on there. It just showed the limitations of Twitter as well um, with people getting kind of like misinterpreting it and things when you've only got words you've only got a choice of like one font and either capitals or not it's very very limited but yeah very... the other thing is is that none of the other calf races have got weight on them have they that's body weight on every single one of those no one's said anything about that no it's no no always... it's the seated one it's the flavor of the month it's the, the yeah it's yeah. the kardashian of calf exercises it's just what everyone's talking about so yeah but it's yeah but it's healthy it's good um and i think everyone involved kind of like learned a few things whether they jumped in too quickly or maybe they um didn't say anything they thought they should have done but it was good it's a healthy debate i like your twitter feed it's good yeah i i learned a lot from it too i said i i'd love to if i had time here we go me giving myself jobs i'd love to write a blog with all of that information in it because actually it would help my understand i feel like i understand it pretty well but actually there was some lots of stuff there that i hadn't considered or thought of um so it, it's a really interesting thread if anyone fancies reading it. <laughs> but it, yeah, as usual, it was it was a bit challenging in places, but I learned loads from it. I I, I asked um, on there because one thing I still don't understand is the studies that were quoted talk about EMG activity. But then when somebody is slagging off a paper and say, oh, but it's just using EMG, which isn't an accurate representation of force production. But in this case, they were saying, oh, yes, but it shows that the soleus's EMG activity stays the same in both. I'm like, well, hold on. Aren't you? Ch and I think it was my limitation. I'm not sure if it was surface EMG or a different type of EMG, but I didn't get feedback on that. I'm still having to investigate because it's, I didn't think EMG activity was a, an accurate way necessarily of, of measuring the force production of a muscle. And we've seen in other things people have cursed clams for example because it shows that the emg activity and this and that but i don't know it's all very but again it was educating for everybody involved yeah but anyway let's move past that um because it's getting to 850 what else on the course so what are, what do you think is another area where people might um get education on your course with related to foot and ankle what's an area which where you educate and you find that people are going to take something home which is going to be useful for their patients I think one of the one of the, my favourite bits to research was the lateral ankle pain section. Mm -hmm. So, um, because everyone sees ankle sprains pretty much, right? It makes up a huge proportion of my my um, uh, daily patient intake. I see a few every week, um, but it's where it's all the little minute things that you get from subjective history from the mechanism of injury and um, from your objective test that just change whether or not you would say it's just a bog standard lateral ankle sprain or not. And all the different, di different differential diagnoses that it could be. Um, and it's just incredible how many different things it could be when most people would think it's an ankle sprain. So um, me and Lizzie are thinking about making a t-shirt. You know, the, the rage now is to make t-shirts about your various slogans and things like that but we were going to get a t-shirt that said um it's never just a sprain or something like that because <laughs> okay. it is often a sprain i think it's 85 percent of ankle injuries are lateral ankle sprains okay in, in the research that i know about um uh it's the highest injury in dancers definitely it's the highest yeah. in sporting activities uh, the most common injury um uh but often there's these little nuances of like when actually it's a bit more than an ankle sprain like if you get um osteochondral um bruising or, de or defects over the tailor dome and that would be something that's a much higher energy injury so like for example if someone's fallen off a roof or something and landed really heavily and they roll their ankle yeah so they sprain their ankle but they they often will have some kind of tailor dome injury in the impact and that's very often missed Number one, because it's not in the Ottawa ankle rules. Um, there's no palpation of the talus in the Ottawa ankle rules. So it's either it's um, the posterior borders of both malleoli, and then it's the um, base of the fifth metatarsal and the navicular tuberosity. Talus doesn't even come into it. So very often the Ottawa ankle rules are negative, but actually there's a, a talus fracture there. The one thing that will pick it up, though, of course, is that you've got to be able to walk four steps weight bearing the Ottawa ankle rules so usually if there's some kind of bigger injury like that the person won't be able to weight bear and it will be picked up 
but in those cases when they can walk they are then potentially missed so um it's just it's just knowing to ask about like with the mechanism of injury like I said trying to find out if it's a really high velocity one the position that the foot was in so was it a plantar flexion inversion injury or was it a, a fixed dorsiflexion with eversion injury and anyone mm-hmm. who knows about this will know what I'm going to say so that could potentially be more of a syndesmosis or a high ankle sprain mm-hmm. um, which are often missed because actually they're not that painful and they don't really swell um, and people can walk on them they usually can't hop <laughs> I don't ever really get an acute ankle to try and hop so I don't know why that's in there but <laughs> that'd be a bit mean wouldn't it um but there's a cluster of tests that you can do to check that and one is palpation of the syndesmosis which is the most sensitive test Mm-hmm. One is the squeeze test where you work proximal to distal, squeezing the fibula and the tibia together to see if that gaps the, the distal joint, distal tibiofibular um, fibula joint, and then that would give pain if that was sprained. And the last one is the uh, Clygus test. So that would be forcing the foot into dorsiflexion, then external rotation to um, to try and actually replicate the mechanism of injury. So if mm-hmm. there's a strain at that, that part of the, the joint at the bottom of the leg, then that will be really painful for the person because mm-hmm. that won't be um the mortise joint won't be intact and that cluster of tests is very useful to rule that one out the squeeze test is the most specific so if that's positive it almost certainly is a syndesmosis and the palpation test is the most sensitive so if, if you palpate the syndesmosis and it's not painful it's almost certainly not a syndesmosis strain and knowing that is so useful I had interestingly I was in a theatre I was there was a show on I was called to see someone who had sprained their ankle on stage and I thought it was a syndesmosis so the mechanism of injury injury was exactly what you would expect they landed on a fixed foot and it fell into external rotation because they got it caught on a piece of them on their shoe their shoe came off and they landed on the edge of the shoe and the syndesmosis was positive all those tests were positive and I inside I was secretly really excited thinking yeah I've got a syndesmosis brain <laughs> um, nice. I saw the person this is the thing I saw the person 10 minutes after it had happened and the key the story behind this is that you need to wait 48 hours to five days after something like that to really get a true recognition of what is lax and what isn't and what the ankle sprain uh-huh. is because he was so acute it wouldn't have mattered what I did to him it was would have been positive. do you yeah. know what I mean so and I kind of forgot that but because the mechanism fit and it was just so perfectly matched what I was expecting I was sure it was a syndesmosis we got an MRI because that's what you do in those situations and all he had done was sprained his um, CFL so he'd had he'd had a grade two lateral ankle sprain which I also was positive I could sort of I could tell that from the tailor tilt test Mm. you've got your anterior draw for your ATFL and you've got your tailor tilt for your CFL which is a subtailor test and that was positive as well. So the MRI picked that up, but the syndesmosis was fine. So I, I was kind of very pleased for him, obviously, because he's going to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he would have been. But yeah, it was a lesson. I sort of forgot that you need to wait a bit to really see if those tests are are false positives or not, because I got false positives. This is really tricky for you, isn't it? It always fascinates me about when you are working with live performances, because something for you is, can they go back on? Has the show got yeah. to stop? You know, Or can they even go to tomorrow night's show and... And that's really tricky, isn't it? Because you haven't got 48 hours to five days to decide what they've done to themselves. You've just got to see. Yeah. Well, how do you make that call? <laughs> oh? If they can't wait there, it's done. It's yeah. Done. My, basically, my thing now, because you are called to injuries and they want to know, can they keep going? Is if they can't walk absolutely fine with no pain, there's no way they can perform. You know, right. so I basically just say to them, walk, across, walk over there. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. you don't need to get too detailed with it. You just need to figure out if they can't do basic daily activities without pain, there's no way they can perform. Yeah, yeah. So but how much do you get involved with things like um, strapping and, and placing yeah, it so no, that, and if they can walk without pain with that strapping on, then they'll go back on stage. Back on, yeah, I've had people that, so, yeah, it's funny too, because we now talk about like even a, even a mild sprain, so a grade one, which so that's actually, not even a lax joint so mm. a grade one would be um a, a sprain of the ankle without laxity so you don't have a positive anterior draw and you definitely don't have a positive tailor tilt mm. even those injuries can take two to three weeks to really heal mm. you know because and then this is where me and lizzie have this thing about making the, the t-shirt about it's never just a sprain because actually yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we underestimate how how bad those kinds of injuries can be but i have to admit when i've got a performer 
I'll talk to them if it's a mild strain and they can walk and if I strap them up and they feel pretty good and it's it's a joint decision so I have to tell them what it is we know that there's a higher risk of potentially chronic ankle instability if it's not rested and rehab correctly um but often because they you know the general population kind of thinks of ankle sprains as just a bog standard injury that people get Mm. they often will want to go back on so as long as I give them a bit of information if it's I wouldn't put them unless I felt it was safe um, yeah, they yeah. need to be not lax and not be too severe. But um, but I've had people where they, they do have laxity and I've said, no, you can't do it because you've got to go and jump on stage and there's yeah, yeah, yeah. reduce that power. It, it wouldn't be safe. So I've taken them off. Yeah. So it just depends. And, and you get that call. If you say you're not going on, they're not going on. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. They, they listen to me. Yeah. There's the odd time in this has happened over the, the whole course of my 12 years of doing this in the West End where I've said they probably shouldn't go on and then the producer or the director will come and speak to you and go, can they? Because actually yeah. in a bit of a spot that's happened a couple of times. But if I really did say no, because they, it would be detrimental to the health. Definitely. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. They do put the performers first, but they do always ask. They're like, are you sure they can't? What we'll do though is modify a track. So this happened at a show a couple of years ago, principal role of something. The, the role was very jumpy. They sprained their ankle in the, when did they do it? The rehearsal for it or something. And they were meant to go on that night. And I said to the company office, they, they can't do that. And then the mm. assistant choreographer said, what if we take the jumps out? Mm. So what they did was they changed the whole show and took all the jumps out. I strapped it up really, really carefully. And then they went on. So it was like a, like a, like a, a like a team effort, I guess. Yeah. No, no, fascinating. That's great um wonderful so interesting we could go on forever but it's like one minutes to nine now um right so yeah we've we've said that i mean after exciting people about all this education and 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 things which they could learn it's not going to happen yet but um um it's just keep an eye on on i think your twitter handle is probably the best place um watch this space isn't it but hopefully from march onwards because it's going to be such a popular course i think um the things you've mentioned are things which we talk about this a lot on the show we live in our bubble our little bubble twitter bubble where we think everyone knows about this and intrinsic muscles and working this and and all the little things we've talked about but go to the external population who maybe aren't following the same people as we are and it's all new isn't it and therefore you are changing literally a lot of patients and people's lives by educating these people so there's, there's loads of physios, even before I did the course, that when I used to talk about pushing ankle all the time, where they they message me privately and they say, look, I literally forget that people even have feet. You know, they just don't <laughs> see them. Yeah. They, they don't see them as part of their patient cohort or they kind of will avoid seeing them or something and they just decide they don't like them. But um, like I said, way more than 50% of my caseload is foot and ankle. And mm. um, I love it now. It's like anything, when you get confident with something, the more you, the better you know it. even if it's a really complex one I kind of think no I've got the knowledge to figure this out and I make sure that I do I had a fascinating one a couple of weeks ago I might tweet about it about six to seven different pathologies in one foot absolutely incredible it was like a a case study that someone had presented to me to say work that one out and it was really interesting really really good case I might I might tweet about that one really good case study I asked the patient if I could and they said that was fine with them cliffhanger there's a reason to start following this that's going to be happening probably later tonight can I just say I feel slightly mortified that I might have offended anyone or said that no this lot are used to physios coming on and saying that it's a physio level as if there's such a thing as physio level I'm talking about like oh dear don't worry then why you, you're a physio you? so yeah i would love to know if anyone wants to do anything on the foot and ankle or is interested in our course um and you're a sports therapist whether that's like diploma level or, or graduate i would love to know what you want to know about so i did a tweet about this four or five months ago when we were writing this course to ask the physios and anyone else who followed me what do you want to know about with foot and ankle because i know what i know but i tend to see more feet than most people do so if anyone literally me and Lizzie will adapt the course and change it for what people need and I'd love to know if if there's anything that people don't know about that they would love us to include and chances are it might be in there anyway but um it might not be so like you know yeah so that's what I was just going to say how should they get in contact with you what's the best way if people want to email you is it email or 
email's good so my email is lizbaileyphysio at gmail.com so that's good okay, or you can contact me on twitter or via my website so lizbaileyphysio.com that's got a contact form on it uh, which sends okay. me an email um but i would love to know if there's things that people would want to know about if they did a foot and ankle course what would they want it to include i'd be really interested to hear that's great we'll make sure you get some feedback on that um yeah, that'd be great. Okay, we'll make sure that goes into the show notes and ways of contacting Liz. And yeah, let Liz know, let the Liz's know what you'd like um, if uh, if you do go onto this course. What a great offer. Fantastic. We'll make sure that all goes in the show notes. Right, look, it's 9.03. I know you're shattered and I know that I've grilled you a little bit tonight. Don't feel bad about the physio thing. We get it all the time. Oh, it's physio level. It's physio great. level. Oh, God, just forget <laughs> it. I'm going to tweet about that later on. Who else? Who else is at physio level? All the physios at the same level. They all got the same skills. Interesting concept. No, not but, at all. We'll see that later on. Um, but anyway, so um, let's just put a few thank yous up here. Thank you, people, first of all, for joining us. It's great. I love this live thing. I, I always say I wouldn't do it unless it was live. I like reactions. I like it. So Gary Benson, founder of the STA, has been here tonight. Says thanks as always, Liz and Matt. Looking forward to catching up with Therapy Expo. It's true. Thanks for reminding me. If you've enjoyed, which I'm sure you have enjoyed what Liz has had to say, then um, there's a few times where you can catch Liz. Let me just put this up full. As far as the STA theatre goes, then Liz will be joining us on the Thursday at yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning um, with the dancer's foot. Um, half an hour of face-to-face listening to Liz and then inviting you to questions afterwards. That'll be in the STA theatre, which will be opposite, same as last year. Um, there's a few other kind of like internal theatres going on this year but don't forget the sta theatre is the one to go to it's the original one um so that'll be happening at 10 o'clock and then also when else are you on liz oh i'm on in the afternoon i forget what time i think it's like at 150 it's at a really random time and it's all about physiotherapy and the performing arts so that's fantastic but that one the dancer's foot really there's a few bits about specifically dancer stuff but it again it's very much um any any foot injuries you know like anyone could watch that and get something from it so please don't be put off by the fact that it says dancers i'm always tempted to kind of said just say the foot or the sporting foot or something it's tricky, isn't it it is yeah. tricky but um, it's it's very much there's a few bits and pieces that are about dance but very very general so everyone will get something from that if you're interested in feet and ankles at all that's sport, great hopefully yeah that'd be amazing and thank you um for for doing that that'd be great um so yeah that's it people um next week actually i think we've got a mate of liz's on next week next week we're gonna have bill taylor talking of working oh. with dancers hey oh physio bill yeah. bill taylor's gonna be here he's been on the show before at least once or twice um bill taylor is going to be um talking at therapy expo in the sta theater as well when's that i think that's on the wednesday at 145 he's gonna be doing male pelvic health red flags um which was a very popular episode here so it'll be um for any soft tissue soft tissue therapist who, like we said in the in the episode before with with um, with physio Bill, with Bill, um, so many people come to us in pain and discomfort, and the first thing often they're going to go for is, oh, I have a nice back massage, or oh, massage my groin, please, or my thighs. I just feel like I need to lie down and get away from it. Or they're probably quite stressed out. Um, and if you recognise and ask the right questions, especially with pelvic health issues, then you could direct that person to the ideal professional who could change their lives without getting too heavy or deep. Um, so many of the things we talked about, whether it's rheumatology or pelvic health go or, or endometriosis or hypermobility, don't get diagnosed for up to 10 years because they don't get sent to the right person. And, and I've always championed you guys because the most common therapy, which people typically go for when they are suffering from pain is going to be a massage of some form because uh, they know they can get away for an hour at a decent price and just relax and you know, they know they're going to feel better for it so yeah really important and i'm sure i'll be quizzing bill on that next week about um some of the information he's going to give but how to ask the right questions how to get over some of the taboos and things like that so that'll all be next week and um, so you can join us if you fancy joining us live for that then it will be eight o'clock again on the sports therapy association youtube channel if you do just want to wait for the podcast and that's great but do me a favor given that's free if you enjoy what we do just leave a nice rating for us that'd be great four or five that'd be perfect and maybe a little comment um, because all it does is it helps our guests and their good word reach a high audience it just pushes you higher up in google um if you are um if you give somebody a review especially on google podcasts which for iphone users 
Um, it's easy to do. You just go to the app on your phone and leave a rating. Um, we're getting like nearly 3,000 downloads now, an episode. So, I mean, and I've still only got about 30 or 40 reviews on there. So either you're being lame or you don't know how to work your iPhones. But I know there's a lot more about you who are listening to the podcast. So please, without any pressure, but please, if you've enjoyed this, if you enjoyed what Liz says, then leave a rating and help other people get to know the Bailey with a Y. Okay, do that now before you make a cup of tea or whatever else you got to do in the day. Right. Thanks again, Liz. So much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank hope I didn't really too much. Don't go away because I'm going to say goodbye to you when I sign out here um, just for two minutes. So thank you to you. But yeah, people in the live lounge, thanks for joining us again. Um, we'll hopefully see some of you uh, next week. Hope you're getting your tickets to Therapy Expo. Don't forget, if you're looking for a discount, the STA discount is still there. Even though the, the early bird ticket is gone, contact the STA or contact your regional rep and you will get a code which will make it uh, much more um, accessible for you. Um, and I'm really looking forward as it's getting closer now to seeing some of you or all of you face to face at Therapy Expo in um, November. Right, that's it. Signing off. Take care, look after each other and we'll speak again soon. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.